Hello, my darlings. I have my sister, Sarah, reluctantly on my podcast. Sarah, say hello to my fans. Hello, fans. (laughs) (laughs) I'm calling you my fans because I'm trying to big note myself in front of my sister because really the truth is that Sarah has just done some – she's totally overshadowing me right now, so I'm going to um, ride her coattails. No, actually, it's not about Sarah. It's about four communities, four – Australian Aboriginal communities who are now, uh, through their actions, through them saying what they want, they are changing the the narrative in the whole Department of Education for our state. Just take a moment to think about that. For Aboriginal communities changing the narrative, and I think this is a story that needs to be told because it's a story of hope and awesomeness so Sarah could you tell me who oh she's she's teary yeah so let's start by saying like can you please tell us a little bit about these four communities and what it was that they were asking for that the that you working within the Department of Education have helped to facilitate Sure. Okay. So the four communities are um, Dumaji, which is um, in the Gulf of Carpentaria, which is quite far um, northwest in Queensland. Um, very, very remote, very small remote community. And then Mornington Island, which is even more remote. So that's off the Gulf of Carpentaria. In It's an island. Um, and then there's Palm Island, which is off the, um, in North Queensland, off the, off t- um, the mainland near Townsville and Mount Isa, which is a city, but has, um, a high Aboriginal population. Um, so these four communities, we had a project where we were going into the communities to help support them to create, um, activities, I guess, with, families and young children. Um, so we wanted to do place-based work with them. Um, What's so, place-based work? So place-based work is where the local community um, decides what they need and then comes up with the solutions and um, awesome. then delivers that. So um, in the early childhood sort of setting, it's about, say, um, the community saying, oh, well, we, you know, want to do play groups or, um, you know, with our young mums because they're disengaged and we believe that this is how they need to be done. We're going to take them, you know, so one of the, in Dumaji they... Um, to do preparation, they realised that the children needed to be um, prepared for school, ready for school. So this is a consultation thing that happens, and I'm just going to be finicky with Sarah and get it a hold this far away. Oh no, okay. just like like that okay. microphone, just a little bit of microphone work. So, um, but uh, okay, sorry, I'll come back here. So, Sarah, um, I'm just. Can you explain the engagement process? So, you're going into the schools. Um, into these um, into these yeah. communities, sorry, not schools, and you are engaging. So who who do you engage with in the community? Where does it start? Yeah, so we um, engage. We were given funding to engage with these community centres that run programs for early childhood family, families with really young children, zero to or pregnancy to five years old. Um, so we were we could have just gone in and said, "This is what you need to do," and we've got this extra money, so you just need to do these activities. But we want wanted to be really place-based and make sure the communities said what they needed. And, and you used that expression before. What was that um, expression? Oh, so the expression move? that, yeah, has been quoted a lot in different civil rights movements is um, nothing about us without us. Yes. So we wanted to embody that idea that mm-hmm. these communities were designing their own programs and we were just coming in with some um, money to help them do that and some uh, to facilitate some capability building for their staff. Mm-hmm. So we were able to bring in... Um, 
you know, some different experts that would help them build their knowledge. Um, also, I'm stealing the phone back. Okay, so, so Sarah, can you tell me what was it that these communities were telling you that they wanted and how has that changed the narrative? So part of the project was, as well as them delivering programs on the ground for their families, was to um, create a resource. So we that was something that we were sort of had to obligated to do in our with the funding, but um, the way we did that was we went into the communities and asked them, well, what is it that would help you guys? Um, and they were saying, we to be able to support our parents and our children better, we would like to know more about child development and brain development. Um, we've heard that you know brain development is really important, but we don't quite know what it is about it or what the key messages are to tell our parents. Um, we've got parents that are really vulnerable, that are drinking during pregnancy and all this kind of stuff, and we want to be able to say why that's not a good thing. We know it's not a good thing, but why? And so they wanted, they wanted some more knowledge around that area. Um, so what we did was we brought them together several times to sort of design what the resource would look like. We used, we got research um, and put it, uh, once they told us the different headings and categories that they wanted in the resource, we then went and researched the information and we kept bringing it back to them um, where they would then t- tear apart what we'd <laughs> what we'd written um tell us what the language what language was good and not good um what visuals they wanted um what their own stories so we got them to contribute their own stories and on the ground to highlight the different knowledge that we were embedding in the resource um and you know uh, basically co-designed the whole thing. It took about two years. Um, yeah, so they – but the fact was that they were really, really, really wanting to know about child development and brain development and um, within our department, within our context in our state and in Australia, um, child development has had become a bit of a dirty word. So people didn't want to sort of talk about it. They were scared that we were just doing developmental checklists and we wanted to, you know, that they wanted to avoid um, treating children in a way that was just checking off a checklist so um, but the communities were saying hey we actually want to know what to expect for each you know age and stage of development and 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 what that looks like in our community. So basically guys Sarah was pretty much ran the project right like um uh, did like a like how much percentage of it like you'd say 60 for the whole thing off of the resource like a hundred percent so sarah took his like learned um about the neuro the neuroscience of um (laughs) didn't know about it before learn learn about it Uh, what was the name of the book that that really influenced you a lot with this um was it um Oh, I've got to think. That's all right. We'll yeah. get. I'll get back to you about that. But yeah, there's. Um, so she she did her research, and then and with the engagement with the communities, so found that they used. Um, she used a lot of the language that that was um, like Aboriginal language for for things. Well, um, well just... I mean, yeah, it was the resource looks like something that's very approachable now that you that these people can learn about neuroscience and pass that on to the community without it being some like government um you know looking document that feels very you know that's easy to feel estranged from Mm -hmm. so it's this resource which is basically describing brain development um from uh pregnancy through to 
yeah, oh, how five how what, years. five years, and and what are the key markers are with that, and and helping to give more understandings that then they can like talk in more depth to parents to help them understand mm-hmm. what's going on, and so. Basically, this resource, it's got an international acclaim. I, uh, Sarah wouldn't have said that, but like, and there's particularly, um, there is a neuroscientist um, in who's also Maori, that's a uh, native um, New Zealand people. Um, and uh, what's his name? Nathan Wallace. Nathan Wallace. So um, he's a big fan of the resource and he's been coming. And he's, so, okay, this is where it's affecting the whole of the, um, education department in Queensland is partly through um, the connection with Nathan Wallace as well, because he's um, as well as the the resource being used by people in, in different parts of the world now, like as a template. I think. Oh, uh, I wouldn't say or, different parts not, of the world. It's but, still it's still going through approval to publish. So oh, okay. So it hasn't has been published yet, but uh, there's still being. There's been people went at a conference as a lady said, "Oh, can I take this? We're working." Yeah. So yeah. it's it's it's, it's been had it's been sh- it's been shared into nationally and in draft and um, had a lot of um, really, really positive feedback. And from that, Sarah actually, just a little props to Sarah, because of her amazing work, um, she actually got given a, just recently, a permanent job. She did all this as a, not as a permanent as well. Like this just given her life the past two years. I've seen her absolutely just work her ass off to, because she's just very passionate about this. This is, you know, um, it's, um, Caleb is Aboriginal, where Aboriginal, like his dad, Caleb's dad is, it's, it's just, it's so important to us, this stuff. And I don't talk about it a lot here because I'm not as connected to culture and family as what Sarah is. So it's, I feel, you know, but, but I really feel proud that this is something that, um, that Sarah, that, you know, like that I've I've seen I've seen I'm proud for Sarah I'm proud also for these communities who've who said spoke up and said this is what we want and um and I'm so grateful that Sarah was there to actually listen and say I want to give you what you want <laughs> I want to facilitate that and that it's eventuated in a resource that's been very successful like even in draft form like um and so Nathan has he's challenged a lot of ideas. Um, Sarah, would you recount the um, the story about the Mount Isa Hospital and oh, um, sure. and that yeah. something that yeah he said there was quite pity. <laughs> yeah. So um, our four communities, um, well, three of the four communities have to send their um, pregnant women off of country or countries where the women are from um, or their communities to a different city to birth their babies. And in for two of the Dumaji and Mornington Island communities, the women have to go at 36 weeks. So they and have to spend far? four weeks. That's a long way. Like um, for one community, it's eight-hour drive. The other community, it's I don't even know because they have to fly um, <laughs> in a plane uh, from an island to the mainland. But, yeah, so it's a long way. And also they have to leave behind their families um, for a whole month and be and stay in a hospital for that time. Mm. And they we were doing some filming with these uh, workers from these communities and Nathan Wallace, the neuroscience trainer, and he was questioning, well, why do you, you know, why do, why do the babies have to be born in this other city? And the women were saying, oh, we, um, it's because. Yeah, that's that's where the hospital are, uh, 
the hospital is and, um, you know, all of the support that the, the mums need. And, and Nathan said, well, since when is birthing a baby a sickness? That's the only time you go to hospital is when you're sick. <laughs> so yes. he was really challenging that idea that, you know, West, of Western science intervening in that way and, that, and what that meant for those babies to be born not on country and their identity. Um, you know, so he was saying, well, we've been birthing babies for thousands of years since when, you know, why can't we still do it the way that has been traditionally done? So that was really nice to, to, and then the other, the other thing is, I guess that they've, how they've responded, which is just beautiful is, um, they do a welcoming baby to country event once a year. So all the babies that have been born, which is all the babies, um, that were born in Mount Isa. So the, the big city, um, they do once a year, they get the elders together and they do a big smoking ceremony, which is a way of cleansing, um, energies and, um, so you, yeah, so burning, you know, usually burning leaves and, um, it's somebody that has the authority to do that. Mm -hmm. Um, and the elders say, you know, um, share some words and the babies are welcomed officially on country. And that's a way of connecting them to Mm -hmm. where, you know, to their place. And which is, as we know, was in the neuroscience, really important for social emotional development to have that sense of identity and belonging and, you know, for the nervous system. So we know, um, you know, that's such an important thing. So it's really wonderful that those communities are responding, but ideally, um, one day we'd love to see babies being born on country and not needing the hospital system. So, that was, uh, um, so just to wrap this up, the way that, so these four communities have, like they, they said, this is what we want. And uh, through Sarah, the education department have listened and have provided this resource. And also Sarah's done the work to get Nathan Wallace to to come back and hopefully it's still in the process of getting approved, but um, next year to come back and speak to uh, the head of the education department and the heads the and the heads yeah. of the other departments as well. So now this this dialogue is being taken to is going to be taken to the top level. So this this narrative and challenging the the old paradigm. So I mean. Yeah, that that is so rare in government to have anything be fed back up through the system. It's usually so top down. So I just wanted to share this story with you guys, particularly some of you. I know this will really resonate with you and hopefully give you like a happy, positive feeling because, you know, there's so many shit things that happen in the world. It's nice to actually hear about where we're starting to get it right and where we get it right is from the, listening the people, to people, yeah. Actually, listening to yeah. people, the people, people who are know there. What they need and need to be trusted to have their own solutions, I think. And, all, you know, the best thing we can do is listen and use the resources we have, or the privilege we have in the mm-hmm. case of government to enable that to happen. So, yeah, right on. <laughs> I hope at least a few of you did some like fist pumps in the air right now. <laughs> I know if I wasn't in this position, I definitely would be. I love you all. Um, if you've gotten this far and you've listen through it then that means that you do care about this stuff and fucking bless you for caring because I think it's important and um I just my heart overflows with joy at the thought of having this connection with you my darling listener who actually cares about this stuff and may get something out of it so um I love you especially out of all my fans out of all of my listeners um you people who 
care about these social issues and want to see positive change, I care about you the very most. You are the cherry on top of my perfectly made cupcake of life. (laughs) Love you guys. Speak to you soon. Bye.